Everybody, welcome to Third Coast Gaming Impressions. It is episode 11. It is December 6th. Today is Sunday. I'm here with my co-host, Austin Taylor. Sun's out, and you know what that means. Wait, what'd you say? What? 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 Alright, <laughs> um... I'm Travis. Hey, uh... I, some video games came out. I Kind of, I guess. They made Red Dead Online $5. Like last week, and I got into that. I mean, uh, it's true that some video games have come out. Yeah, some other video games came out. I didn't play them because I'm broke, but I, I wanted to play some Red Dead Online because some friends of mine on Xbox play it. So I was like, oh man, I'll play it on Xbox. And I oh. bought it, and I made Kevin Bacon because that's what I did last time when I played Red oh, Dead no. Online. As I was just no. looking at this guy, I was like, that guy kind of looks like Kevin Bacon. And then I made more Kevin Bacon. But um, did you play Red Dead Online when it first came out? I did, yeah. So like after completing um, Red Dead 2's story, I jumped into online, made like a character, and then was immediately uh, killed by like the first five players I found online, and so then I stopped. Oh yeah, there there was a lot of there's a lot more people at launch running around causing shenanigans. I uh I didn't kill I didn't get killed by anybody. When I played it, thankfully, I got killed by some like bots that were in a mission. That's about it. But um, what's different from launch is that they added roles, and yeah. they kind of added like so they had these other roles. They had bounty hunter, collector, um, naturalist, moonshiner, and trader, and they all give you sets of missions, but you have to buy them. And some of them are free with like Amazon Prime and PS Plus, but they give you like new sessions and new ways to earn money. And thankfully, when I just started up, I was just like, "Oh, you get a couple missions." Missions, and I went and me on this. We were talking about it last week. Is there's like the sense of urgency that I have in Red Dead Online is much more personal. Even though I'm doing missions for other people, I'm kind of choosing what I want to do, which is something I didn't feel as much in Red Dead 2's campaign. And maybe is a different point in my life. I was a lot busier when that game came out. I think I was interning at the same time. But I've just been really chill riding my horse, listening to like the ambient music that Red Dead will kind of have in the background while you're running around, which has been cool. And I realize, like, yeah, I just, I like, I like that you're kind of working for yourself in the online, even though you're, like, the main campaign, you're doing missions for a bunch of, mate, like, sheriffs and stuff, and they give you some morality questions that will change your next set of missions. But after that, you just, like, hey, go be a bounty hunter if you want to. Fuck it. It was pretty cool. Yeah, I think yeah. As we're talking about like Red Dead's like Red Dead's campaign is like so much of that is this this narrative where you are constantly teetering on the edge of complete disaster. Yeah, and like to insist that if you keep doing missions and you keep doing them well, maybe you'll advert it. But like everyone knows you won't because it's a prequel to Red Dead Redemption. Uh, Iced, you know. Yeah, I think that's the thrust of the main game, right? Yeah, it's like yeah, it's all of Red Dead too. Um, Dutch is going crazy. 
Yeah, is that you're watching Dutch just completely lose it. Yeah. Whereas in this, it's like, there's that thing people talk about a lot in video games where it's like, you know, why people like RPGs, the numbers go up. And I'm, I've just been leveling and buying some guns. Things are fucking expensive in Red Dead, though, Austin. Let me tell you. Like, you beat a mission, and it'll give you, like, 10 to $20 or something. To buy, like, a shotgun, it was, like, $300. So it kind of wants you to grind, but thankfully, after I played with my Xbox friends for a little bit, I was like, well, I have Red Dead 2 online on my PS4 already. I have a character there that's, like, two years old. So I went and logged into him, and I was like, oh, I can link my Amazon Prime stuff. So I to try and because you'll get the bounty hunter for free for that role for free if you have Amazon Prime. So I had already done that on PS4, and they just gave me like a thousand dollars for some reason. I guess there's some promotion with that too. So I went and bought all the necessary guns, like you know, in like Red Dead Two, you kind of need you'll kind of switch your weapons based on where you're doing. You have your pistol, and then your two long arms. Yeah. So I got like a bolt action rifle, which is good for like long range and I can get headshots and I got a repeater. And then I got a varmint rifle because when you're hunting, if you shoot an animal with something that's not the right type of gun, you'll get a poor quality skin and it'll sell for less. But if I shoot an animal with like a varmint rifle, I'll get like a, a better quality skin that can I can make more money off of. Interesting. Do they justify that with like... I know the varmint rifle's like the like the tiny little like dingy little gun. Yeah, it's like a twenty two caliber. Get. Yeah, so it's like do they justify that with like it's the smaller caliber? Correct. Because uh, there's like four different types of animals, I think, and they each need a different type of weapon to get like a better quality skin. Like if I'm if I see a cougar, like cougars will aggro you in the in the multiplayer and I think in the campaign too. Like, if you find one in the wild, they'll start chasing your horse. But oh, if, yeah. But if I hit it with a bolt action rifle, it's usually one shot, and I'll get a better skin. But if I take two shots at it with a repeater, the skin will be, like, a poor quality. And I think for the bear, you need, like, an elephant gun. Mm-hmm. Bear chased me the other day, too. That was fun. But, yeah. no, I've just been, like, enjoying doing whatever I want to. There's something very freeing about doing that in a video game. Which is like an escapism kind of thing for me, but I was I was looking up a bunch of guides too because I was going on seeing like, oh, how do I min max Red Dead Redemption Two to just find the best weapons that are meta, you know? So that's what I was able to do, and they and they have a deal. You can get uh, twenty five gold bars for five dollars, whereas normally I think twenty five gold bars is a little more in Red Dead Redemption Two. I think it's about. 15. Let me see what the PlayStation source says. But you can get gold bars by doing dailies also. And those got nerfed a little. They used to give a lot more, but they changed it when they did it as a standalone thing for $5. And this $5 thing is only till like the middle of February, and it'll go to $20 for a dead online. Yeah, so, like, what is, I guess, how does the, does the intro of this game change in any way as a standalone? Because, like, this game, like, when it came out, you started out as, like, a prisoner who gets, like, uh, uh, I forget the actual term. You get prison-breaked 
on like a wagon by someone because apparently you were framed for like a massacre or something. So like does the same opening intro. of That's the same, same intro? Yes, yeah, it's, it's just the same game for five dollars, but they let you okay. skip the intro, which I because I played it already. So when it'll put you out in the world right after that, and it'll give you a voucher for one of the three horses you get to pick in the intro mission, and then you get a voucher for um something else you get from the intro mission. I can't remember what it was. But yeah, it's the horses and then It'll have you do. You'll you go find the mayor of. I think you talk to the mayor in Blackwater, and then he'll give you five, uh, three missions for three different mayors, and they all have morality choices. So if you have negative karma at the end of those set of missions, you'll go do outlaw missions. But if you have positive karma, you'll go do like what I'll call cowboy missions, and they're the the good guy missions. The good cowboy. Yeah, and if you ever go bad. Like if you if you start out and you do the, all the outlaw missions and you become good later, it'll let you do the other ones and you can min max and get the XP and the money from both of them. All right. I'll say the multiplayer, like the PvP stuff, kind of still sucks because uh, I wanted to do like um, there's the different hoppers. There's a hardcore hopper which is free aim, and it gives you a free for all. And team deathmatch, and that's like it. And I don't want to play free for all, but I I have to unmatch make and rematch make to get into the missions that aren't free for all. And then there's like some racing missions, and then you can quick join. It'll let you go into a quick join hopper where you'll just join anyone's mission that's looking for stuff. Yeah. Because whenever I select like my first mission with the uh, the sheriffs. It will matchmake three other people with me always. It always matchmakes people. But if it doesn't find enough people, it'll just send you out by yourself. But usually it'll matchmake. And I haven't had a problem with anyone. Everyone just does the mission and you go off and we finish it and you shoot some people. They Okay, so you beat Red Dead 2, right? Yeah. So you go back to New Austin from Red Dead 1 and that's in on the online now. That whole area. It's like stuck in the bottom. Yeah, because like, I remember cool. seeing like Bonnie McFarlane giving out quests to online players. Yeah, and I get to go to Gaptooth Ridge. So they have the main area, and at the bottom left, it's just New Austin down there. So you can go do missions down there, and it feels like Red Dead 1, which was cool. Because I played Red Dead 1's online a lot for like a year. And it, it was kind of nostalgic to do that stuff in the same areas. Yeah. I think it's really like it's really strange that they don't seem to have improved like their online infrastructure from like GTA online. It's worse than GTA Online's. Like there's yeah. not as much stuff to do, but I think GTA Online was too chaotic for me to and I don't like people ripping past me in Ferraris being like, Man, my my life's better in yours, fuck you and I'm like, Alright, thanks, buddy. And then people would shoot you. Yeah, that is definitely the thing, right? Like a lot of the promise of these multiplayer games is like they just have the rock star um, sandbox that you get to mess around in. And I'm having a very it's weird that I'm having a very good singular experience and redhead online. Like I don't interact with a lot of people. I'm just kind of leveling myself up like I'm a if I feel like I I'm a level five in World of Warcraft just grinding by myself, which is cool. 
Yeah. But they, they don't have a lot of missions. You have to you have to pay to get those missions pack mission mission packs. Like it's fifteen dollars to start a roll. Basically, it's like fifteen gold bars. You can do dailies over like a month to get a bunch of gold bars, or you can just go give them some money. That's wild. Yeah, and then to be able to even be a moonshine, you have to be like level five as a trader. Or you can give them five gold bars to bypass that. And then you have to give them 15 gold bars to become a moonshiner. Which is kind of weird. But I, apparently the moonshining one is really fun. Because you have like a a moonshine lab where you're cooking it up. And you, you go, you'll, you'll go transport it on wagons and stuff. And then money-wise, you get a lot of money from being a bounty hunter. That's a good steady flow of currency, is what Reddit was saying, pretty much. Like, they have some beginner guides. Like, someone put some beginner guides out for this for all the new people who were coming when it came out on, like, December 3rd or 5th. I can't remember. I think it was the 3rd. Yeah. And then the collector, which you're basically a scavenger hunter. You get, like, a, um, you get a bunch of maps for, like, secret locations. You get, like, a metal detector. And it gives you lists of stuff, like, go find all these tarot cards out in the world. But you'll get, bits of gold from doing the collector stuff. So you min-max it by doing both of those, and you can kind of, like, get a bunch of money together, and then go do it. Do that is like, your rinse and repeat. And they have some gang hideouts where you'll go to an area like Gaptooth Ridge. That's the, um, the cliff. There's a bunch of cliffs, and they'll spawn some enemies, and you'll clear it out, and you'll get some experience. Like, that was something I did in Red Dead Online 1. Is those were repeatable things that would get you levels, and it was just kind of fun to go around. You know, it's arcadey because you're going around like you have a. It's like the gameplay puzzle. It's like, oh, I got all these enemies. I have to move through and take them all out without dying. Hmm. Yeah. What a puzzle! What a puzzling conundrum. I know. Combat. Yeah. Uh, they they don't have okay. GTA Online had a horde mode that was like twenty <laughs> rounds. Yes. Yes, they, they none of that is in this, and I'm like, I wish that was in there because I like horde modes. They're just something you can pop in with some friends and just shoot the shit and not have to like get on your horse and go from mission point A to mission point B. You just join into it and you're shooting dudes. Yeah, I mean, my thing with like a horde mode would be like, I would need a better, uh, I'd need better like shooting in a game to like enjoy yeah. that. Like I can like I can play GTA's horde mode. I remember carrying um some friends through a couple of missions of it so we could earn a lot of money. Um but like I don't think I'd have a particularly okay time with like a Red Dead 2 horde mode. Mostly because of the the like methodical nature it wants you to take when when you decide to point a gun at someone. You know, I turn the um I just have the regular auto aim on, not the uh the the hardcore aim. Yeah, it's been fine. It's like when you like It just locks on to people and I shoot them. It's like when you like like point your gun at people, there's not like that like big circle that like gets smaller as you aim. That is still there. But I have been like if I have a pistol I have a fast firing pistol. So I'll I'll it'll auto lock to someone. And I'll, I'll usually do two or three shots, and then two of them will usually make it. So I haven't been dealing with... I, I know that 
Like if you aim at someone, you have to wait for the circle to get smaller to have a really precise shot. But if you're running up with pistols and shotguns, you're close enough to where you're just putting rounds into people, like the pump action shotgun, is you can just yeah. kind of like run up and get people. Same as the Evans repeaters, is that circle will close a lot faster with the repeaters, so you can kind of get some headshots with them. I guess it was chaotic. Like I, I didn't spend too much time waiting around for the circle to close, which was nice. I remember that from the campaign. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, and just like into dead, I work in online. I guess is the, my other question. So it doesn't slow down time, but it'll okay. paint enemies. All right. So you'll go into Deadeye, and it'll be real time, and you can s flip kind of fast. But like I'll, I'll hover my pistol over one enemy. It'll paint like three targets, and then I'll move the cursor over more, and it'll, I can paint like two targets on someone else. And you have perks too. There's like four perk slots. You have a regular perk, which I have painted black, which will let me be better at Deadeye with some augments on it. And you have some passives that are like. One of them is like, whenever I get shot, my dead eye will build faster. But you have to buy those. They're like $50 in-game currency, like, because, you know, they're like, it's like money. They don't call it gems or whatever. Yeah, they just, they want your money. Yeah, so it's not real. I mean, $50 video game money, which takes a little bit. But uh, you can upgrade the perks, and they all have like they all look like weird tarot card stuff. Mm. Let me show you this picture; it's pretty cool. Like the painted black one is just like a guy with a world icon. It looks like a circle over him, and they, it's just someone threw black paint on top of him. Oh, this is real. There's some real hard west energy in these cards. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Um, and the, all the all the people you do missions from are pretty cool, and there's some cool resets in it. Like if if we were to find a game to get back into, I might ponder Austin getting into this. But it, it's also the weird thing was Red Dead Redemption Two. The whole game was 120 gigs on my PS4, but I downloaded the online only version on Xbox, and it was like 130 gigabytes. And I was like, oh, that's weird. I don't know how that happens. Yeah, I mean that—that's the thing, right? Like, if if we were to throw this the Red Dead Online as like, as an idea for us to get to get into, the thing there is it's a big game, and in about four days, there's another very big game coming out, and I don't know if I'm gonna have the hard drive space for so many big video games on my PlayStation. True. Do you uh, do you have your base hard drive in your? PS4? Yeah, it's just yeah, it's the base hard drive. It's the like the one terabyte that came with the pro. Okay, yeah. I found a two on sale, so I just yeah. like, man, having a two is nice. Let me tell you, man. Austin. If I was Look the dream over here, Austin. If I was still on like the five hundred gigs of the base PlayStation yeah, Four, it sucks. Oh, I'd be I'd be going crazy. On my one S, I have five games on there because like, that's I. I always keep Halo 5 and Master Chief in, installed on it, and then yeah. I have room for, like, two games. Or Red Dead, which is, like, or one game. One really big game. Why do video games get so that's big? Why, dude, that's why the new console generation is crazy. That all these SSDs are so s small. 
Yeah. It's bonkers, man. That's why, like, GameStop had a deal where I could sell my 1S to go help pay, like, $100 off my Series S, but I was like, well, yeah, but I could, or I could keep 500 gigs just to play 360 games. So, I'm, I don't, I'm not going to sell it. Fuck them. Yeah. Fuck GameStop. <laughs> They're fine. I hope people working at GameStop are doing okay right now, but I'm not going to. I'm not going to sell you my console. You almost got me. They almost got me, Austin. I almost went in there and be like, oh, man, here's $200 in my console. Give me that console. And they'll be like, oh, it's not in stock. And they'll be like, oh, okay. Rats. Yeah, and then they just push you out with pitchforks so that way they don't have to yeah. bring back your console. And they'll ask me uh, to pre-order something. Yeah, sign up for a couple of email alerts. Yeah. And really fast, I did play the Team Deathmatch and Hyperscape, which they added. So Hyperscape's the free Ubisoft Battle Royale game. But yeah. A couple of releases later, they just put in a Team Deathmatch mode. It was alright. The, um, the game has cool movement, like Apex does. But there's a bunch of jump pads that you'll get on top of buildings with. Did you play the Battle Royale for that at all? Or did you hear any preview coverage about it? For what? Hyperscape? Yeah. No. You've been on buildings a lot in that game. I saw I saw people play it and I saw the term Battle Royale. I'm like this was at the peak of my of me being tired of Battle Royale. So All right, I'm still tired of Battle Royale. So. I absolutely just turned away from that when I saw it was like Battle Royale, Ubisoft. Yeah, I'll probably use this as the picture for one of the podcasts. But here's like a lot of the stuff you're doing, you're just on top of building tops. Like jumping between them because you have like you have a double jump and then you have jump pads that you'll let you get up there so in the team deathmatch mode you don't spawn with a weapon everybody runs out and goes find some weapons and then you can upgrade them like i was talking about before so in in a normal battle royale you have your weaker weapons in the beginning of the match and as you play more you get stronger stuff but the way hyperscape does it is you pick up the same weapon a couple times and it has a better magazine or higher damage. So you do that in the team deathmatch, which was weird, but I guess that's how maybe that's how their engine is built, or they just kind of slapped this together. But it was alright. You have two abilities. You have like I had like a heal, and I had a thing that just turned me into a ball and I could roll around and I would take less damage. And this whole game takes place on the internet, Austin. Yeah, that's the other thing. Game show, you're you're jacking in with Mega Man, you know? Could not. I absolutely right. could not. It was fine. I'm probably not going to play it again. I, I might play it again. Uh, you know, it's free. The thing I do with multiplayer games is there's a lot of multiplayer games I like, but I'll stop playing stuff when the player base dwindles and everyone is better than me. But Hyperscape's yeah. free, and everyone kind of sucked in there, so I was having a good time because I was getting my kills, you know? Yeah, it's it's generally pretty fun when you know you're playing a mediocre multiplayer game and you're just better than everyone. Yeah, this like, is why I got really into like Uncharted Uncharted Four's multiplayer when that came out. Yeah, I remember that. Like for example, when I went back and played Battlefield One when it was on Game Pass and the EA Play thing, I was just oh getting boy. smoked because there's just a yeah. bunch of dudes higher level than me with better guns. And all that, and I was like, "All right," but it, you know, when I jump on Fortnite and I'm hit, I'm hitting these kids, I'm like, "Oh man, I'm better than you guys. I've been, I'm gaming since I was before you were born." 
Come at me. It's <laughs> and, and then it, it's actually just me shooting bots because I'm not in real matches yet. I don't know. Whatever yeah. the bot stuff is. Jokes. Oh, yeah. As long as you're not like reenacting that scene from It's Always Sunny where they just beat up the children oh. in the street. No, nowhere near that. But all right, you know that's that's the two things I was playing. I I was like, man, you know, Cyberpunk's coming out. I might just chill out and fucking play Red Dead Online, dude. Yeah. It's very peaceful. Yeah, that's a good. It's a good way to do that. Um, I do have one question about this hyperscape thing. Can you go in these buildings? Uh, yeah, you can go in the buildings. All They're right, not so like. like- a lot of stuff in them, but some of them will have like a three-story set, or some of them will just have a bottom floor with some upgrades in it. Okay, because like we talked about like spending a long time on the rooftops, I just wondered if like the interior of these buildings have been mapped out at all. Not a lot, but some of them have like it'll be like the thing where it's like a bottom corridor you can run through it to get to the other side. The map is pretty big, which I was surprised yeah. by. Like it feels like it's bigger than Angel City and Titanfall Two. But it feels similar to that. There's like nooks and crannies you can hide in and pop out of. Yeah, and it would it would have to be it's just this just looks really packed compared to every other battle royale map I've seen. So I just a part of me is like, oh, there's no way you're going into most of these buildings. Yeah, the whole place is a city. Yeah, I think that's the thing is that there's no open area. Like you're running through like forests. It's mostly like. Like when PUBG, you know, you're running through the plains to get from one destination city to the other. I don't know. I haven't I haven't launched the Battle Royale part yet, so maybe I'll try that one too. It works okay on console. The shooting's fine. I can hit people. It doesn't have bad like auto aim. Like I know PUBG's did not play well on console. I don't know if you ever tried oh, it. Yeah, no, I messed with it for a bit. Uh, it was not great. I died a lot. Yeah, uh, you so, you played Shadowrun Dragonfall, man. Uh, yeah, on this list I see here. Yeah, what's up with that? Um, well, you know, for like the past two weeks, I was like, hmm, Cyberpunk's coming out. What if I played some interesting-looking Cyberpunk games? Um, and you know, I told myself like last week I did the shooters, right? I did the fun shooters because that's like my my popcorn of of video games or fun shooters. And this week I told myself I was going to play some of like the smaller titles I have, some of the more unique titles I have. But instead of doing that, I started up another playthrough of Shadowrun Dragonfall. And Shadowrun Dragonfall is a, you know, is a uh, tactics shooter based in the world of Shadowrun, which is a tabletop RPG created by Jordan Wiseman and a team of collaborators in like the late 80s, which is about like a future, like mid to 21st century future where magic has come back into the world. And now there are dragons and goblins, elves, and such. Right? Shadowrun? Shadowrun, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, so it's this mixture of high fantasy and cyberpunk. And you, you, the player within Dragonfall, uh, play as a shadow runner, and that is basically like the cool name for criminal in this world. Uh, so you're like basically a mercenary, a gun for hire. And Dragonfall specifically was a 
uh, was uh, released in 2014 as an expansion to Shadowrun Returns, which is a kickstarted uh, project by Hairbrain Schemes, which like was under the The leadership the of Jordan. Fantasy stuff and just putting it into a postmodern thing. Yeah. yeah so like, something with. It, it, this is not like a tabletop RPG. This is like a PC game, right? Yeah. So this is, yeah, this is an inter- interpretation of a tabletop RPG. Um, right. So this is a PC game. This is available on, you know, on every every shop on, like, on PC, right? So it's available on Steam, GOG, the Epic Game Store. Um, it is pretty spectacular, you know, because like the thing about like the thing that um Dragonfall opens up with is you are a mercenary in Europe who has been called back to the flux state of Berlin, which is a uh, Berlin specifically is now a city state that was taken over by anarchists, uh, and had like all of its main corporate influences because that's, that's the thing with like every cyberpunk feature is like instead of like countries you have corporations uh been like all of cor- all the corporate interests have been sort of leashed and collared in the flux state of berlin so what you have uh, so the setting is described as the sort of uh, the greatest anarchist experiment and you play as like one of a group of Shadowrunners, sort of under the tutelage of a woman named Monica Fletcher, who, you know, is someone who you can define your relationship, uh, like with, like after this first mission where it's like you had a past with her. What was that past? Um, and it's like all done through like dialogue with friends. Because at the end of this first mission, Monica gets got, and now you're in charge of this like group of misfits consisting of like a troll military weapons expert who doesn't like you a woman who's like you're like a woman who's your medic who has like insanely large and old robot arms and a paladin of a dragon lord whose whole thing is fighting evil and also used to be the lead singer of a heavy metal rock band i i hope they make like, I want to see like a Fallout type game in this setting. Not a Fallout type game, you know. Like, a F- like that. What do they like call this F- type? F- what, uh, a first person shooter? Like this? Or like a first person RPG, you know? Yeah, so you want that kind of perspective. Because like the current perspective that you have here is like this sort of isometric uh, perspective where you're looking down into the environments and your gameplay is mostly, you know, um, I would say XCOM-esque, right? Is what I would say. It's like a very like kind of basic XCOM thing where you have it's all about positioning your characters around cover uh, and trying to flank your enemies. The like the twist 
with XCOM on the XCOM formula here, though, is that you need to keep moving your people between cover because the chance to hit is determined by like whether or not you're behind cover, but also whether or not you aren't moving. Because if you don't move, then there's a higher chance that you'll get hit. So that sounds pretty cool. I'm into the the style of it. How how far are you in it anyway? What do you, what I've, has your character been doing? Oh, I've completed the game twice now. <laughs> um, it's Travis. It's really good. Um, so, like, where I'm at... this game, anyway? Who made this game? Yeah. Yeah, Hairbrained Schemes. Yeah, so these are... So Hairbrained Schemes is, like, a studio of folks who uh, do, like, a lot of... Like, do a lot of tabletop oh, Tech, stuff. Yeah. yeah, who did also did Battletech. Um, these are... So far, it just looks like they're they're interested in making PC, like, video game versions of, like, Jordan Wiseman's uh, past work. Right, because Jordan Wiseman is also a designer on Battletech. Uh, and it's like original table table war game iteration. And yeah, so like right now where I'm at with Dragonfall, I had just like completed a a mission that was a that was called an audition for like a shadow group called the Lodge. Uh who like come to you with an offer of like exorbitant like just insane amount of money which you need because you need to uh hire a information broker to find out who is hunting you um after the events of the opening mission and she wants like fifty thousand dollars uh before she even information brokers yeah before she even starts digging and so so it's a really tempting offer but like you go onto this mission for this for the folks at the lodge you don't get to like bring your own team they assign you a team consisting of this like dwarf electrician um some really racist human and an elf who can't speak uh german instead only speaks like an ancient elven uh dialect and you you go on this mission and you plant a what you think is a monitoring device turns out to be a bomb uh, and you basically you do you accidentally do a little bit of a terrorism. Yeah. Did that new XCOM game come out before this? Which one, Chimera Squad? No, the uh... or like the the new Fire Axis XCOM game. Yeah, Enemy Unknown. Oh, this is 2012. Okay, because I was trying to yeah. see because this looks like this has the cover system from Enemy from Enemy yeah. Unknown. Like you were talking about that earlier. I was just unprepared for how similar it was yeah it's it's really like it's all pretty similar and i'd also say like if you look at the older like Shadowrun games because there's like there's really one really old Shadowrun game for uh i want to say genesis mm-hmm. um it has like a similar combat style to that okay, it's just yeah, very was... much a lot more like archaic yeah i was curious if uh, the Fire Axis people brought that back. For I mean, they to like, you know, I I wouldn't call it ape off the style, but just like bring that kind of like the language of it, you know, the visual language of like turn-based combat in that way. Yeah, of like tactical combat in that way. Yeah, and I'd say like you can definitely credit Fire Axis for like making that popular again because XCOM was so approachable. Yeah. Um I think 
you know, it doesn't, the thing about like Dragonfall and the other Hairbrains game, Shadowrun games is I, I like kind of enjoy their combat a bit more because it, it is, um, I want to say like you're pulled out enough to where it doesn't feel like when things should hit, they don't, right? There's not like going to be a sequence in Dragonfall where a bullet goes through an enemy and it says you missed. Like there are, like there is an XCOM. And uh, the other thing here is that it doesn't play with elevation in Dragonfall or like in any of the other Airbrain Shadowrun games because they don't have like all of their arenas are all take place on like a single plane. There's no point where you can like climb a ladder to get up and get higher than like your enemies, which is kind of disappointing as like when you consider that like one of your main characters, one of your main party members, uh, has like a really dope sniper rifle and can absolutely tear people apart if you were able to get in that kind of position. Um, but like I think they work around it well enough. Like they make enough interesting combat encounters to where I was never like, hmm, I wish I could get like my sniper like at a vantage point. Um because just the basic like percentage to hit stuff works well enough. Because the thing with snipers is like if you're just farther away you'll have a higher percentage to hit. There's no like need to get up somewhere. Seems like a pretty cool game. I um I didn't even know they they're making Shadowrun RPGs again. Mm-hmm. I thought well, it, they were just the tabletop game. So that's cool. I yeah. a lot of my friends who are into like <clears throat> tabletop stuff would talk about Shadowrun and be like, oh man, it's like the cool it's like D, but for cool edgy cyberpunk guys and i was like i could do that we could get into a van and go rob some Dude. stuff shadowrun is not a system that i think anyone needs to really be concerned with um part of that is because like the let's see let me pull out my let me pull out my shadowrun 5e rule um yeah because Something else about Dragonfall is I liked it so much, I went and bought a rulebook for the tabletop uh, version of Shadowrun. Nice. Yeah, one of my it, friends was trying, who's setting up tabletop stuff, was wanting to start some Shadowrun games with me. Yeah, and the thing with like Shadowrun is, like as a tabletop game, it's really overly complicated in like the worst ways it can be. Um. Like, there are just so many rules for everything. Yeah. Like, so many specific rules. It's not even, like, if you want to throw something, you can just use, like, your strengths, like, stats, like you would in, like, a, a D&D or even, say, a Cyberpunk, like, 2020. Uh, there's just, like, there's a whole different set of rules for, like, how you perform individual actions in Shadow in Shadowrun. The other thing is, like, the 5e rulebook is so poorly made. Like, it's so poorly put together uh, as far as, like, editing goes and, like, where you place content um, that, like, if during the character creation process, it's telling you to flip between so many different chapters within the 5e rulebook that it's just, it's ridiculous and not very intuitive at all. And the other thing is that the company that makes the 5e version of Shadowrun being uh, Catalyst Game Labs, they are terrible. Oh no. They are just terrible people. Are they the um, ones who took over the Shadowrun stuff, or have they been making it the whole time? I, I, I don't, I'm not entirely sure when they got a hold 
of the Shadowrun IP for tabletop publishing. Um, let's see. There's a very there's like a very there's a a bit of like a rundown on the things here yeah. that you can find here on Reddit. So, see Wikipedia. One of the founders, one of the founders, uh, embezzled millions of dollars from the company without the current CEO realizing it. That's very cyberpunk. Yeah, the a whiz kid's got it at some point. They very they don't hire like a lot of full time employees, right? So they have a lot of freelancers, um, and a lot of their freelancers are like new. Yeah, right. They're not like veteran like. They haven't done a lot of this stuff before, so like it just results in a lot of typos mm-hmm. in this rule book. It resulted in like the very poor layout here. Yeah. Um Do you want me to give you the rundown of the uh publishing history? I got it real fast. On sure, Wikipedia. We can. Sure. Right. We can. So we can. it was originally published by uh Fossa, which was I guess the people who started up. So from nineteen eighty to uh do, 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 sh- 2001, it was Fossa, and then they closed their doors, and WizKids got it. And their WizKids was found by former Fossa employees. Two two years later, though, um, it was da, 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 not two years later. Tops acquired it in 2003, and then Catalyst Games picked it up after, and that's where your 5e version comes in. Yeah. So this. Jordan Wiseman just had to like fight tooth and nail to actually keep yeah. this game under his own control, and it doesn't seem like it worked out that well. So, yeah, but it's just... like sell it to Wizards of the Coast. I would rather them take care of it. Mm. Is it who? Who else is putting out good campaigns? You know, they they Wizards had their like D and D stuff. Do you think the D and D stuff has been good lately? That's what I would ask, since I don't know anything about it. I mean, it's been like better than it has, right? Like, but that's not also not saying much. Like, you still have freelancers uh, leaving, like Wizards of the Coast. You have full time employees talking about like sort of like racist behavior within Wizards of the Coast, the company, and then you also have really just asinine stupidity from Wizards of the Coast where, like, with the release of their last source book called uh, Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, you get people like Jeremy Crawford saying that, like, Tasha's is, like, the first step in sort of reconciling with the embedded racism that is within the content of, like, most default D&D stuff, and saying that it's going to take years to actually go through this and, you know, like, change it up when, like, it really shouldn't. And so, like, Wizards of the Coast is okay. Maybe. You know, I don't think I would want them to have a hold of Shadowrun, considering how, like, racially charged so much of Shadowrun is. Like, mm-hmm. it just, it's, it's, Shadowrun is a real mess of a thing, right? Like, it's, I would, I struggle to say Shadowrun outside of, like, the harebrained, ga- like, schemes games is good. Um, and that's, like, for a whole host of reasons, like from content within the source book uh, to like just how it handles uh, like racial uh, features, like orcs can only orcs can only become so good at computers, you know, like elves can become 
unnaturally like naturally better at charisma checks than any other race in the game. That sort of yeah. thing. Yeah, and I guess if that's I like have... a weird line between like a trope of a character and something that is just like, eh, maybe we should do something yeah. else. You know, that's yeah. like I understand like why they would write it like that from a simplistic point of view, but it's like as you dig deeper into it, you probably shouldn't have yeah. it like that. Because like, like then you that's not a think... trait. That's like a stereotype. That's not you know, for fictional characters who are based on like you know, races. Like a lot of people, you know, I I don't know, Bright, for example, has a lot of lines between like orcs and like people of color, which is not which is like a weird, you know. Yeah. And that's the thing with fantasy, right? Is like if you if you like look at the history of like how orcs are viewed and what they're looked at and like how they're written like the like orcs are a metaphor like for like black people within fantasy and like that is and like they have been interpreted as as that and i don't think that can be ignored when you're deciding like what orcs are capable of doing within your fantasy that type deal and so to have like orcs can only be like orcs can only get up to i think an eight in like hacking and computer stuff within Shadowrun, whereas everyone else can get to like maybe like a 10 or something. And this is also within like the Dragonfall and Hong Kong, right? So like it's also bad there. It's not particularly great. The thing is is Dragonfall and Hong Kong never ask you to be be any better than an 8 at like hacking and rigging, which is like controlling robots. Yeah. So I just I don't know if I had to if I had to like give anyone Shadowrun, it'd probably be like Artalis and Games, and these are the people who publish uh, the Cyberpunk RPG, the Cyberpunk uh, pen and paper RPG, as well as okay. the the Witcher RPG. Yeah, that'd be a good get too. And they just seem, generally speaking, like more aware of stuff like that, uh, like more aware of like how what they're making reflects reality and like who is a stand in for this like for like this like lived experience you know like what sort of fantasy race would be a stand in for this like lived experience that sounds like a good way to go with it i think we're gonna be wrapping up here soon pretty good talk i like you know i like learning about the shadow run stuff and it seems like wizards of coast has some stuff they got to work on i always appreciate the insight into that yeah, I mean, I, I try. I'm definitely like not the best person to be talking about any of this stuff, but I hope at the very least I can navigate it well enough. Yeah, and y'all can find me at Travis Twenty Three Doyle. And uh, where can they get you at, Austin? On Twitter, you can find me at Beardless Two T W O. Perfect time. Right.